You're listening to the Dirt on Dating Show with your host, Misha Noah. Get ready for real stories with everyday people on topics like the hottest dating apps, when to commit, and how to find a partner you actually click with. Whether you're on the prowl or spicing up your relationship, we've got the dirt to help you find success in today's digital dating world. Welcome to this episode of the Dirt on Dating Show. I'm Noah. And today, we're going to take a glimpse into what it's like to date Gabby. Gabby is an author, dating expert, host, writer, and comedian. Welcome to the show, Gabby. How's it going? Hey, thanks for having me. It's going well. So I've read, I've had the pleasure of reading quite a few of your articles as I was just getting ready for the show here. Uh, I have to say, I just, I just love your wit and humor and the, the balance of like, you've got some, some nice psychological things plus some comedy. It's, it's really, it's really fascinating. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I aim to write to help people with all my writing. I always try to do that, but to do it in a way that doesn't take myself too seriously um, and is fun overall. <laughs> yeah. And so what is your relationship status now? I know you've, you've had 10,000 hours of dating in your 20s or something. So. Yeah, and 30 dates in three days in my 30s. But after all of that, I actually have gotten into a relationship. I have been with my boyfriend for almost a year and we currently live with each other. Wow, fantastic. And how did, how did that start? We met on Bumble, which is so funny because I never thought that meeting someone on a dating app was possible for me to get into a relationship. While I had gone on dates with guys from dating apps, usually those uh, dates would never be something serious. Um, And so I kind of had sworn off dating apps and thought that that was how it always was. But after going on the 30 dates in three days, I got really good at like navigating dating apps about like saying no to red flags that were really obvious on the dating apps and on the first dates. And so I had kind of gotten pretty good at dating and had a better idea of like what I was looking for in a match or a partner if, if I even wanted that and had kind of made, uh, had kind of told myself that I wouldn't, I would never get into a relationship again, unless the person had proven to like make my life better and just like be someone who was just a great person to be around instead of trying to make relationships that weren't worth it work. And so after the 30 dates in three days, I had gone on a handful of dates that I was a lot more selective about going on. And I went on a first date with my now boyfriend and we went on three dates in three days and have been together ever since. So yeah, that's kind of how that happened. Wow. That's so amazing. I, now I want to get into some of the strategy about what you learned from doing these 30 dates in three days. Uh, I've, sure. I've, one article I read in particular, you were talking about how you should have your date only go for 57 minutes, was it? Or 59 minutes? Yes. 57 minutes, which is just under an hour. So I guess with now with Zoom dating, like I don't think your Zoom, your first Zoom should be more than an hour or phone call or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, less than that because it's even a little bit more uh, intense this way. But that was that rule I came up with as I was going on first dates. And I do think that a lot of people too treat first dates too seriously. And I think especially if you're meeting someone on a dating app that you shouldn't be like whining and dining and rolling out the red carpet, it should be super casual. So a lot of my first dates were either like coffees or walks or, you know, even like a a 30 minute date at Dave and Buster's, which was like $20. You could spend $20 at Dave and Buster's and have like a really fun time and get to know someone or a happy hour. So I always tried to keep the budget down for both myself and the date because I was always also willing to pay. I'm not, I'm not one of these girls that 
And I think it also is wrong if you are someone who, you know, if someone asks you on a first date, you only want to go to the best mm-hmm. restaurant in town. I feel like that's not, that makes other people look bad and it's just not a great strategy. And so, yeah, I was finding that like, you know, I felt like 57 minutes was enough for one round and also like of either coffee or drinks and also like a good conversation where I could get to know enough about the person. And at the same time, not get into the pattern where sometimes I would go on these first dates with guys where I would end up, we would end up drinking a lot on a Tuesday just Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to be rude and say, you know what, I want to go home. Mm -hmm. And so I think having that like mental timer was just helpful for me and something I had told friends to try as well. And you can either, you know, tell the date about this or you can keep it to yourself, whatever works. And on my first date with my boyfriend, I was, had every intention of keeping it to 57 minutes but it, uh, when the date was going very well, so we, I ended up making an exception to the rule. <laughs> I, was, I was about to ask, do you make exceptions? Yeah, I, I made that exception, but yeah. prior to him, I was not making that exception. Yeah. It also leaves a little bit of mystery too, because you're, you're getting enough of a taste for what this personality is like. And then before you get sick of them, <laughs> you're already moving on and, and now they're, they're wanting more. I, you know, I, I used to set it at an hour for mine. And then later you're like, man, I actually want to spend some more time with them. Well, it's mystery. And then also the other thing, which I think is really key when you first start dating someone is uh, sometimes we have uh, a tendency to be really intense in the very beginning. And it starts off like super intense and seeing someone all the time. And then it like fizzles out because it's starting too hot and heavy or whatnot. So I think like having time in between dates to like reflect and really see if you, if you really want to go on a second date with the person without feeling the pressure to be like, well, I went on a first date, I guess I have to go on a second date. Mm. So I think it really lets you be a little bit more thoughtful when it comes to dating that way. And deciding to do 30 dates in three days and also just the, the 10,000 hours of dating in your twenties, that's, that's quite a lot of dates. It is. What would you say is the, was the motivation for you to, to go down this path? Because it's, you know, it definitely takes some commitment and yeah. Well, the 10,000 hours was, was less of a a goal. It was more of a realization. So I had just kind of seen that I had, I had got, I had a pretty, I, I was always a serial monogamous. And then I had a relationship that I write, write about in my book at 23 that was uh, ended in a very like unexpected, crazy way with this big lie, which you can read about in the book. I don't want to ruin it. So after that happened, I kind of like lost my faith in like dating and love and romance and dating apps had come out. So it was just kind of a thing where I was going on a lot of like dating app dates. And I think I was going on dates too, just to be like, okay, well, you know, it's something to do. It's like, well, all my friends were like in relationships and it went, and also in my twenties, it kind of transitioned from having friends that were always down to go out with you and then having friends that were now in relationships. So their weekends were taken up. It's like, well, what am I going to do in my spare time? And so Mm. when I wasn't doing standup, I'm like, well, you know what, if I want to like get over my baggage, if I want to like get into a relationship, I really should like go on dates. And so that's kind of how that happened. And, and the 20, the 10,000 hours is like a mix of like, yes, dates, a lot of first and last dates in there, but then also like situationships, I kind of count that as well. And I just really feel like I had, I realized that I had been on more dates and had more like relationships than the average person, because most people in their twenties, usually like they end up, they date in their early twenties and then they like settle down pretty much is what I was noticing the pattern. 
Yeah, definitely. The the serial monogamy is really interesting when you're not finding the match or whatever. You, you can really start to question what's going on with you, question what's happening with, with the other partner. What yeah. What is some advice for people that you can give that are going through this quest for their other partner? Well, I think the biggest thing is that you have, which I didn't really do in most of my 20s, and I definitely did more in my 30s, is realizing is making sure you're whole. And I mean that getting into a relationship because you think the rest of your life sucks or is incomplete is not the right reason to get into a relationship. You should get into a relationship when you feel like everything else in your life is going well and complete, that if you were to get into a relationship, it wouldn't be the only thing in your life that's making it like better, but it would, it would make your life, it would make it a little better, but it wasn't, it wouldn't be like the whole basis of your life. So like just really making sure that you are whole, that you've done the work on yourself, that you are going into dating with a healthy mindset, that you're not going on dates for like validation or free meals or free drinks or whatever to prove to your ex that you've moved on, that you're actually going on dates because you know, you feel like you're, you believe you're a catch because if you don't believe that you are a catch and you would be a great partner and that someone it would want, would be lucky to date you, how is the other person you're on a date with going to feel that way? You've been finding that rhythm that makes you feel good about yourself. In order to get to this spot where you are in a healthy relationship, what are some of the changes that you've felt that you've come across and like some of the lessons that you've learned from dating? Like, did, did that experience of dating a lot of different people help you figure out who you are and what, you, what, you're, what you're strong at, what you, what you need to work on? Yeah. And I, I think it's also just, you know, not being in a codependent mentality because I think that codependents attract other codependents and like understanding what codependent means, which is basically, you know, that you rely so heavily on someone that you're dating for everything that you, if you're by yourself, you like don't know how to function. I don't think I've ever gotten that bad, but I, do, I did notice that I had codependent tendencies. So just getting into a place where I was really good at being alone and being independent and being by myself and being self-sufficient, that was really helpful for me. So for me, what that looked like is I had moved to New York for a relationship at, at 29. And I, I thought in my head, but kind of from a place of possibly codependency and possibly denial, I thought that this was my person, even though there was a million red flags that I was ignoring. I stayed in the relationship. It um, uh, ultimately crashed and burned. I found myself single at 31 and like, you know, just kind of not knowing what to do. And I moved back in with my parents, which was not helpful, but whatever. I, I kind of really used that time. I was actually writing my book at the time. I started really just throwing myself into my career and putting my career first and my goals first. And then eventually, you know, saved enough money and decided that what I really wanted to do was move back to LA, which had been my home for years, which is where my friends were, where my network was. And I moved into a, I, I was for the first time in my life, I lived by myself and living by myself was just so helpful to me because it really made me become a strong person and self self efficient self uh, sufficient and just really figuring out you know how to be alone how to be good at being alone to the point that I really didn't feel the need to go on dates anymore because I was like just good I was like good with my own company I was good you know reading books watching my shows going on walks spending time with friends that like I, like going on a date kind of seemed like a drag to me which is kind of what led to the 30 dates in three days because I was like, you know what? If I want to get back out there, I have to go on dates and I'm not good at doing things unless I have something holding me accountable. 
And so, you know, having that challenge of trying to go on 30 dates in three days is really what helped me get back out there. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's mm-hmm. takes a lot of it takes a lot of guts to do something like that too, and just and just like really give yourself a wild goal. Yeah. I want to hear, I know you've got a lot of juicy stories in the book. What is one of the juicy stories that maybe maybe it is in the book, maybe it's not in the book that you want to share about, you know, deciphering red flags and figuring out if someone's a match for you or not? Well, I think the thing I learned and I kind of like, I kind of was, I knew what a red flag was in my twenties. I knew how to identify them. But the thing that I didn't realize until I went on the 30 dates in three days is that people tell you their red flags on a first date. And by red, it could be red flags, deal breakers, baggage, whatnot. They, they basically, it's like that question, which is so, I hate when guys ask this on dating apps where it's like, well, why are you single? You know, there's always a reason. And for me, there was a reason I was single. I was just in a relationship. I'd gotten out of it. I was working on myself. Like we all have reasons of why we're single and never ask anyone that. That's like the rudest question. I had kind of realized at this time that as I was going on all these dates back to back to back, I started to notice that people tell you their potential like red flags, potential deal breakers, potential baggage, usually on the first date. And it's really up to you if you're like listening to them or something I did in my 20s is a guy would tell me his red flag and I would be like, well, I can make that work when I was lying to myself because the reality was I really couldn't make that work. So like, you know, an example would be like the guy who's not that into you in my, in my, in my book. He definitely made it very clear through his actions and through his words that he wasn't looking for a girlfriend, but like in my head, I was like convinced that I could change his mind. And like, that is just such the wrong mentality to be in when you're in a relationship or dating. And, and I noticed that too, with the guys I was going on dates with, like one guy had told me that like his divorce wasn't finalized yet. And you know what, to me, I was just kind of like, well, why? And I had uh, ironically had just uh, recently ended like a, a brief, like relationship with the guy who was recently divorced. And And I know that that can work for people and that people who, you know, are divorced, they obviously remarry or or people date people who are divorced. But for me, where I was, and after seeing how it was with that last relationship, like dating someone who kind of, whose divorce isn't finalized, I knew that that would just be a real obstacle for me. And it wasn't really compatible with my baggage per se. But then when I met my boyfriend, we had compatible baggage because we were both going through breakups. So I was like, oh, I can make this work because I, we have, we come from a place of understanding and compassion. And, and so that was our obstacle and we figured it out. I love that. Yeah. There's almost that selective hearing when you're entering that first date, like, oh, I could fit in that box even, even though it might be detrimental to your, your own mental health to fit in that box. And the truth is, is we all have ops. Like my, my 20 guys doing your twenties is, is not a man shaming book. It's more just about the 20 obstacles you face in dating. And that's what each guy is. It's like an obstacle. So I think that that's just kind of how it is in dating today. It's like, we all have baggages, obstacles, whatever. And it's just about finding someone who has a compatible baggage to you, basically. I love how you sort of, you put an archetype to each one of these dates that it's, you know, it's kind of like defeating the, the different dragons in a quest. And, and yeah. then at the, at the end, you have the, the princess, or in this case, the prince waiting. And <laughs> if you can get that. through them all. Yeah. He still has, there's still something with the prince, you know, and there's still something with you. And like, and that's like, no one's perfect. Like we all have our flaws and it's all about finding someone who embraces your flaws and, and also, you know, works with you to if you want to, you know, just it like accepts you, accepts you basically fully accepts you. Because I think that's the biggest issue with dating is people 
don't fully accept their partner flaws and all, and they think they can change their partner when you can't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so are you living with your partner now? Yes, we just moved. We, I was living with him. We actually, I had moved, my lease was up in my studio in, on March 1st. So I moved in with him on March 1st uh, and then he ended up selling his place. And so now we got a place together that we live in together. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, all right. So you've been giving a lot of advice for, for people that are starting relationships or finding a match on Tinder and navigating through red flags. What about, what about this phase when it's time to take the next level up in a relationship? What are some things to think about when you're about to move in with a partner? Well, I think when you're about to move in with a partner, one thing that's, you know, you, you do want to make sure that you're in a place with a relationship where you still want to be with that person after a lease is up, I guess, you know, so if you're most leases are a year. So I guess picture, you know, a year from now, do you think that your relationship will still be as solid as it will be? I think also moving in with a partner, you should definitely have conversations about, about expectations and like even things with like, you know, like making sure you're on the same page with stuff like, where do you want to live? How much do you expect each of us to pay for like rent and for utilities? Like what is the fair way that makes sense based on how much money we both make? And then also like what, now that we're kind of, we're still in a lockdown here in Los Angeles, like making, are you guys okay with living in the same space together? Before my boyfriend and I officially moved in together, I, I kind of was testing it out. So before my lease was up, I had, I had lived, I kind of moved most of my stuff and was subletting my place and had, was kind of seeing how it was. And, you know, in my head, I was like, well, if it ends up not working out and we end up not being great at living with each other, at least I know I could renew my lease still, you know? So I think definitely like, you know, testing it out, making sure it works when you guys are living together and not just, you know, weekend love, but like a whole like week work day together. Like, can you make it work? Yeah. So it's good to take that systematic approach and think about like, you know, what could happen and plan it out so that that things that could potentially become arguments are already solved before you even go into it. Right. Exactly. So we are working towards wrapping up here. So Mm -hmm. as this is the dirt on dating show, I do want to ask a, a dirty question. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So what, tell us a story of one of the wildest fetishes you've encountered along your journey. Well, I actually wrote, this is in my book. Cause one of the chapters is the guy with a fetish. So I had dated a guy who had a foot fetish, which was not my fetish. And I, I learned, I don't, I, I just learned a lot about, and through writing the book and in the chapter, I actually interviewed people who were in that community because I really wanted to learn more about it. Uh, turns out it's not really for me. I'm a little vanilla when it comes to that kind of stuff, but I had wanted to try it out just to see. I didn't want, I wanted to be open-minded. And I thought that the reason at the time why I was maybe still single was because I was close-minded with this kind of thing. But yeah, I could report back that foot fetishes are not for me, but I do understand it. And I do think it is great to be able to express what you want in the bedroom. And I think that that are also is a, is a base for a strong relationship to make sure you are on the same page. And like, you don't necessarily need to have the same kink or fetish as your partner, but you should be able to be accepting and not, not judgmental about it. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So final question, Gabby, yep. what is a, I either you have a choice here, either sure. a sex product that you would recommend or a relationship book that you would recommend? 
Obviously uh, your uh, book, obviously your book, we're going to recommend people to get your book, but okay. outside of that. Well, I would give you some more books because yes, my book is definitely, I would definitely recommend 20 guys you date in your twenties available wherever books are sold. I'd also recommend my friend Kristen Doty's book. He's making you crazy, which she co-wrote with the writer of how to lose a guy in 10 days, which I think is really cool. And it's a very good book. I got to read it uh, before it came out. Also another book, my friend Ben Daly has a great book called Appley Ever After, which helps people navigate dating apps and how to use them, which I think is great. And then my other, my old podcast co-host and friend and, and former therapist, The Angry Therapist, has an incredible book called I Used to Be a Miserable Fuck, which is also a really great book. <laughs> and then another friend of mine, Zara Bari, has an also an incredible book called Girl, Stop Passing Out in Your Makeup. That is like a very like self-help, empowering, beautifully written book that I'm also really enjoying. That's so awesome. So yeah. you, you, everybody, you've got your, your reading list for, for the month <laughs> here. Gabby's giving it to you. So don't, don't slack off there. I love, <laughs> don't sleep with your makeup on. I just like remembering waking up next to like, you know, an eyelash on my pillow or something. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no, like yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Zara's um, a lesbian too. So it's, it's interesting to hear also how similar and our dating stories are from having different sexual orientations. But like, uh, I just think it's, or not sexual, what do you got sexualities, but I think she's just such a great, it's so, it's still so relatable. And it definitely like, it's like reads like she's your big sister and she's like amping you up to like just be kinder to yourself, which I think is so smart. Fantastic. Gabby, yeah. thank you so much for sharing your story and congrats on the new chapter in your life and congrats on the book coming out. So thank you and good luck with your move with your another. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. yeah good luck. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to swing by, leave us a review on Apple and let us know how we're doing. We love those positive reviews, but if you do have some feedback, let us know as well. And if you want to be featured on the show, visit dirtondating.com slash single. Tell us about your story. That's it for this one. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Dirt on Dating Show. We hope you enjoyed the ride. Stay safe talk dirty and we'll see you here tomorrow for another wild dating adventure